Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. So one of the the things that I found uh, incredibly interesting over the past couple of days as we've been watching the news, like so many of you, um, has been watching the the, the kind of different ceremonies and uh, meetings and different things that have have been happening just as, um, you you know, as as we're trying to work out how to continue. What I realize is that these, these, these ceremonies haven't been done for 70 plus years. So for the people that are having to conduct them and having to do that, they're having to, in some ways, learn a completely new thing that's incredibly old, but they're having to learn what does that look like for them. And, and it just made me think, just as we've been, been journeying and thinking about uh, the kingdom now for, for a number of months, it, uh, something that we talked about back in May, but I wonder when the last time it was that we did something that was brand new something that we had to learn completely new, completely off the the bag, and we had no reference of how to do it, and we had to study it. Well, uh, there's usually a three-stage process to something like that. And uh, firstly, we have to turn to a teacher, uh, whether that's a person or um, maybe, you know, it's in a book or something, and we have to see what to do, and it's presented to us. So we'd be told what to do. Okay, so if that's a new skill, someone maybe would give you knowledge, they would begin to talk about how it would go together, they would begin to talk you through the process. And the goal is knowledge, isn't it? The goal is that in our minds, we would have knowledge about how that thing works. But it's not enough to just hear someone talk about something. Sometimes we just really need to see them demonstrate it. So there's a demonstration that comes from that. So it's when we take all the knowledge that we might have heard and the information we took in, and then we begin to actually understand it. That actually you begin to see it kind of working out, okay? But, but even that's not enough to simply to have a presentation or a demonstration. There's a third part to that learning process, and that is the realization that actually we have to begin to do the very thing that we've been taught. Okay, so um, if you think about learning to drive a car, like can you imagine if you were learning to drive and an instructor told you how to do it, made you watch them how to do it, and then said you've passed, right? Just take that car out, right? It would be terrible. It would be awful. We need to learn what it feels like. We need to learn what all of those controls and bite points and all those kind of things. It's, It's important. And we talked about this before. When it comes to the kingdom, this is what Jesus did. He came and he began to present the kingdom of God, the dynamic rule and reign of God. He wanted to teach, to reorientate people's minds so that they would have knowledge of what the kingdom is. And last week, uh, we took a lot of time to do this. I don't have time to go through it all, but um, in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, it's the first book of the New Testament of the Bible. A guy called Matthew wrote it, and and he talks about this. Jesus is is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to read that whole thing, but the verses are up there. But he's presenting, here's what the kingdom's like. And these aren't a list of instructions, they're an intention of his heart. He's saying, here's what you need to understand about this. And he he began to to do that. He was outlining where his desire was, where his focus would be, where his heart would be extended. He was saying, I'm presenting this to you. 
But for Jesus, it wasn't just going to stay as a presentation. It was also going to be a demonstration. He was not going to tell people just about this. He was going to live it out in his day-to-day lives. And so what we see just after he comes and finishes the Sermon on the Mount is he walks down the mountain, and for the next number of chapters, we see him demonstrating what the kingdom looked like. And, and I've summarized some of these up here. And so actually, the moment he comes down the mountain, he meets a man with leprosy, and he heals him. Uh, we, he meets a Roman centurion. He meets many demon-possessed people. He calms a storm. He, he does all of these kind of things, and all that is is a demonstration of the thing that he had already presented. He, he's just saying, here's what I told you, and here's what it looks like. And, and he was trying to do it. Now, the, 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 the interesting thing was because he was giving time to these people, because he was uh, extending his increase towards them, he was effectively saying, I'm blessing them with my presence. Okay, I'm blessing them. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my time here, right? When we give time to someone, we're, we're giving importance to them. And he said, I'm blessing them, right? And so that, that looks really good, but, but here's the really awkward thing. Devout God followers at that time didn't think that these people deserved his blessing. Because these were the people that they didn't think were blessed at all. In fact, these people were, in their eyes, probably cursed, Because if you had leprosy, if you were sick, that was a sign that God hadn't blessed you, so he maybe cursed you, so you were living under a curse. If you were a Roman centurion, you you were one of the soldiers that's in charge of the soldiers that are oppressing the people in Israel at that point, so they're certainly not blessed. We don't even need to talk about the demon-possessed. Right, so the people are watching this and saying, and and they're asking probably questions like this, why is Jesus with them? And why is he blessing those people? And maybe what they're deep down, they're saying, why is he not blessing me? These people didn't devote themselves to, to God, and I have, so, so why, what's going on? And, and what we realize in this is they missed what Jesus had just said on the mountain. They'd missed the presentation. Their entitlement had gotten in the way of their eyesight. And they just didn't catch it. They thought, truthfully, they they thought that Jesus, when the Messiah would come, that he would come and look at their practices as devout followers of God. And these were good people, okay? We're not talking about evil people. And that Jesus would come and see them and say, well done. You've got it right. You've done it super well. This is is amazing. But, But when he came and he began to do that with other people, they just couldn't work it out. And I've got to be really honest today, like if, if today Jesus came in the same way that he did back there to, to the North Coast right now, if he walked in, the truth is I would kind of hope that he would come to Vineyard. I kind of hope that he'd come here and say, Neil, what a job. Do you know that, that worship, that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, the way you guys are doing, wow, my blessing is on you. And I'm sure if you, any pastor in this community would think the same thing, right? I hope he would turn up to, to our church and, and I hope he would do that. Do you know where I think he would be? I don't think he'd be in any of the churches. He might. I think he'd be in the community. I think he'd be walking out, meeting people. I think he'd be blessed. I think he'd be praying for the sick. I think he would, would do all of those things. And I think we, like those people, might just say, Jesus, why are you there? Did you not see that we get up and we come here, right? The 9.30 people really loved that when they clapped. (laughs) 
have you not seen what, we, what we've given, what we've done, all the stuff that we've done? Like, why are you not blessing us? And, and I think, I, I don't know, I hope that isn't what we would do, but I wonder if we would. And so the people back then, they, they were questioning all, so they began to criticize him. And you'll see some verses just pop up on the screen. And they, they were calling him, you're, you're blaspheming, and why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he doing all that stuff? And Jesus would come back to them, and he'd be really clear. He'd say, look, I've got authority to do this. And, and he would say, look, I, I came for the, the sick not for the healthy, so I'm going to be in these places. He's saying, everything that I've presented and demonstrated, that's all I'm doing. I'm just showing you those things again and again. And he does it right the way throughout the Gospels. When he's with kids, when he highlights the widow's faith and her generosity, and when he says to the rich young ruler, someone who everyone thought was blessed because they had so much that actually he wouldn't get to inherit the kingdom, and he's, he's turning the whole thing upside down. His own followers, most of them were not super educated or looked super devout. His own birth wasn't exactly, you know, like a royal kind of thing. It was the birth of someone who was poor. And really, we're just seeing what he said would be the case. That the kingdom is for the hungry and the thirsty, not for those who are satisfied and full. That the kingdom is for those who seek peace, not those who seek to be right. And that the kingdom is for the pure, the merciful, not those who try and seal as close to the line as they can get and hold a grudge. He's saying the kingdom is not for those who think they have it all together. The kingdom is for those who know they're in need of a savior. And I don't know about you today. Some of you, you may have been following Jesus for years. You might be this, your first time in a church. You, you might not consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but you need to know from me, I know I'm in need of a savior. Every day. Every day. I need it. And the moment that we think we've got it all sussed, the moment we think we've got it all worked out, we've probably missed the kingdom. And if that sentence has caused relief in your heart today, you're probably closer than you think. And if that sentence has caused offense in your heart today, you're further away than you hoped. Because the kingdom exists for a people who know that they need a savior. The moment that we think we need him less, that we posture ourselves away from where his heart is, and the moment that we withhold mercy or choose safety over mission is the moment that actually we miss the very kingdom that he came to present and demonstrate. If you're following Jesus today, we are called to do that. Jesus presented the kingdom, he demonstrated the kingdom. Our job is to realize the kingdom in our day, in our time, and in our place to see what that looks like today. And for the, for the rest of the time that we've got, I, I want to talk just a little bit about how we are seeking to do that as a church, a, a church that if you are a part of this, that you are, you are the church. And um, last week we talked about blessing, didn't we? We talked about blessing and what that meant. And we talked about as people who follow God, if, if you're someone who follows God, that you want to live on and you want to live under his blessing. That's where you want to position your life. We, we don't want to live a life that we have organized and then just ask God to kind of, oh, would you, would you mind blessing it because I'm doing it anyway? We, we want to live on and under his blessing, right? That's where we want to be. It makes sense. It's, it's, it's pointless to live outside his blessing. We want to live on and under his blessing. And, and really, as a church, that's what we try, and I try to do. And in our lives, that's what we try to do. And I want to just let you know, that about, must have been about 20 years ago, um, it'd be 20 years next year, that Al and Catherine, who planted this church, they, um, church had been going for about five years at that time, and they began to feel a bit troubled about the church. 
Now, it's not that it was a bad church. It's not that bad things were happening in it. It's not that there was bad people within the church. In fact, we've got many who were there. There's about 100 of us at that point gathering in the Edgewater Hotel and with some really good people that were about, like Ali and Chris Hutchinson, Dave, Pavey and Andrea, Ricky Wright and the Rogers, and there's other people I'm sure you're here as well, right? They're good people, at least most of them. And... And they were trying to follow God. We were all trying to do the the kind of right thing. So it wasn't that it was bad. We loved people. We tried that. Like Catherine was able to sing in tune and Alan could speak a little bit. So it sort of all worked out. We were trying our best. But at that point, they began to become a little bit unsettled with the fact as they read the Gospels, as they read the, you know, what was happening in in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and they watched Jesus' life, they started to ask the question, is our church reflective of the kingdom that Jesus was talking about? Like, are we actually those kind of people? Are we positioning ourselves where his heart is extended towards? Is that where we are? It's not that we're bad, but actually are we doing everything that we could to see the kingdom come? And at that time, those of us who were volunteer leaders at the time, we, we went away um, for, I think it was one night or two nights, I can't remember, to a freezing cold youth hostel. And the goal was really to just listen to God. Right? It was just to listen. What, what did God have to say? We, we'd seen what he said in his word, but what might he have to say to us as a people? And so we, we gathered and we listened and people would share pictures and visions and different words. And, and we were starting to see some alignment. I say we, I had no clue what was going on. I was just sitting there happy to be invited. I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. And just in case you'd think I take any credit um, for that. But all these different words came. And then all of a sudden, someone who's still a part of our church today spoke up and said, I think I have a vision. And I want to read to you what that person said. Uh, This is what they said. In my vision, I saw a large group of kids dressed in black, unaware of God's plan for their life. They marched to a drumbeat of death, destruction, desolation, and depression. Every time those words are spoken over them, another kid along the line becomes dressed in black. In their path are hurdles at various intervals. And as the kids approach those obstacles, some make it over and others struggle to make it. And when they can't, they slit their wrists and they fall down. Meanwhile, the others keep walking. Another hurdle, more fall. The others keep walking. There is no reason for life. There is no hope in them. The music drives drives them to cut themselves with great confusion and fear reigns in their hearts. Surrounding them are fields in a forest. And in the forest is another group and they are all dressed in white. Like the others, their music moves them as well, but their music causes them to dance slowly, singing quietly. They're at peace, but they're looking for something. They're always looking. And as they come to the edge of the hillside, they look down into the valley and they see the dark line of kids. And they cry out to one another, we find them, we find them. And they run towards them. As I look, I brace myself for the battle ahead. Yet, as the two sides meet, there is no battle. Instead, the white army surrounds those in darkness and walks amongst them. They speak of a new destiny, singing over them, praying with them, touching their hands and blessing them. They lift those who have fallen and they bind their wrists with bandages. And as they do in this atmosphere of joy, what is on them comes on the others. And those who were once defined by despair begin to sing and to dance. And then I notice that they too have become dressed in white. 
That's it. That's what I saw. And at that moment, there was the understanding that there was a reorientation that we needed to make as a church, that God was speaking, that he was directing us. And before I talk a little bit about what that meant, I want to just lean into this just a little bit because that question of how we discern how God is speaking in our lives is a big question. Right? For those of us who are following Jesus, it's a big question, right? To, to reorientate our lives, I think of those interns who have decided to come here and God has spoken. Like, how do you begin to discern moments like that in your life? And throughout the scriptures in the New Testament, there, there are kind of two words in uh, the, the original language in the Greek that are translated into our English word, word. Okay, so there are two different ways, right? It's a bit like, um, the, way, the only way I can think of describing this is, um, do you know the way we've just got some slang words that we use that if you were to try and write them into English, you couldn't just do in a really easy kind of thing that requires a bit of, like, so I've got friends that are, are here from America are staying with us, and I remember the first time we met them and they heard us say, what's the crack? And they asked the question, like most people, like, are you talking about drugs? And we're like, no. And then they say, well, what does it mean? And, and have you ever tried to describe that phrase to someone in one word? Well, you can't, right? You have to say, well, it's kind of like what's happening, but it's sort of talking about, is there any kind of banter, which is another slang word, then you need to explain that. And then you say, so it's kind of pointing at fun and what's happening, what's going on, right? You try and do this. And with the original language, what the translators were trying to do is to take all of this knowledge and understanding that came from one word and try and summarize it into an English word. Does that make sense? So tricky. And so one of the words that's used for word, and these two words overlap and they're related, but they, they had some slight differences. And one of the word was a word that was often it used to describe a word that was spoken or written generally. Okay, so if a word was spoken generally and to a whole group, kind of people or to all the listeners, then it used a different word. Okay, so we've got some examples of this that pop up on the screen. So Mark 4.14, so when Jesus is talking about this parable, the farmer sows the word. Well, what word exactly? Well, we don't know. It's a general word. And there's other example that will, will pop up there as well. The other word that was used was more often used whenever a word was very specific to a certain person, place, or a situation. Okay, so, so one would be a general and the other one would be much more specific, most often when it was used. So again, we'll see Luke 1, um, 38 will pop up here. Mary says this, and when the angel tells her she's, she's going to have a child, and she says, may your word, your specific word to me, be fulfilled. That's the emphasis that's going on there, okay? So you've got these two kind of things. So God will speak through both of these. And here's the thing, those two, those two words will never contradict themselves, right? They overlap. They sit on top of each other. It's, it's important that we understand that, okay? It's why when we talk about prophecy or the fact that God speaks to us, if someone ever comes to me and says, God has spoken to me, and I heard this vision, or I heard the stream, and I say, okay, and then they share it with me, let's say, and this has never happened, but let's say, God spoke to me and told me that I need to steal off all the shops in the North Coast. I would be quick to go to the Bible and say, no, he didn't, because God doesn't contradict his word, Right? His specific word isn't going to contradict his general word. And so the two always have to overlap. Now, why am I telling you all this? You think that's super interesting. Well, really what I'm trying to say as a church, what we were doing is we realized that God had spoken a general word through his, through his Bible, through the word of God, that, that all of us are called to be those who bless those who are poor in spirit. 
to bless those who mourn. Right? I believe that every church, I believe that everyone who's following Jesus, that if that's not a component of our lives, we've missed it. It's general. But God had also spoken to us specifically as a church in a time and in a place and in a location, right? So, so sometimes people say to us when they, they talk about as a church how we, some of our focus they say, was that just something you decided? Well, no, no. That, that's built on scriptures and it's built on a specific word to us as a church that begin to link and overlap. Does that make sense? And so what we began to understand back in those days and are still working out today is this, and we felt that this is what God was calling us to, and it was this, that if we as a church would love, serve, and posture our hearts towards those who don't yet know Jesus, that he would meet us and bless us as a church. Right? So similar to what we heard in the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus is talking about, we, we, we just summarized it as that, that if we would love, serve, and posture our heart towards those who don't yet know Jesus, that he would come and bless us as a church. We wanted to be a people where any heart could find a home, a people where everyone is welcome, a people who would love those who feel on the outside. And as a church, we were becoming what we would go on to describe as an outward-focused church. A church that was posturing itself, positioning itself where we believed that his blessing and his kingdom was. And um, so what we now still do as a church, it isn't a whim, it isn't a notion, it isn't preference, it isn't some kind of blind ambition. All we're trying to do is to, to be obedient, to stand on and under the blessing of his general word and his specific word to us. Does that make sense? Do we always get it right? Absolutely not. But that's what we're trying to do. We're saying, we think this is what you've called us to. So we're going to do this rather than do what we think and then ask you to sprinkle your blessing. We want to follow you. Now, next week, I'm going to lean in and talk a bit more um, about what that meant for us, because I think that's important for us to understand. But it, but it did mean that we had to change things. We, we had to change the way that we did services. We had to, um, I don't have time to go into all that, but there's a reason that, that every week when, when you come to service, we introduce who we are. Some of you are like, I've been here for years, I know who you are. But some of you might be here for the first time, and you don't know me. And that's why we'll always introduce ourselves. We're always thinking, what if someone comes? That's why we explain worship. It's why I won't just say, turn to Matthew 5. I'll say, Matthew's one of the first books in the New Testament of the Bible. And you can write because we never want anyone excluded. That's the heart. That's what we're trying to do. And, and so we do that. That's why we do small groups the way that we do small groups. You'll hear about those super soon. Um, that's why we do pastoral care through hubs. It's why we launched Compassion. It's why we have schools ministry, Healing on the Streets, Encounter School of Mission. It's why we did 10,000 hours. It's why we train other churches. We don't do any of those things because we think it's cool or because we saw someone else do it, we do it because we think that's helping us to realize what God and Jesus presented and demonstrated to us, okay? That's our translation of how we're going to realize it in our lives, and other churches do the same, uh, different things in whatever way they do, right? So at times it's costly, but we think it's obedience. Now, things have changed for us as a church than, um, than where we were 20 years ago, right? We don't now meet in a a rented hotel room, right? And, and it used to be on a Sunday morning, um, you know, we'd have to sometimes come and clean up the sick from the wedding party the night before. Not me specifically, just to be clear, Janet. Um, <laughs> I just turned up. Um, right, but, but that's different now, right? We've got a place. 
Um, our compassion ministry used to be in a kitchen um, in uh, the old Dunn stores, which is now Minari's in Corinth. So good to see that building have life in it again. But we used to have everything packed in there. Well, now we've got a hope center. And we've got other facilities that we can store food and do all that stuff. And it's different. Our, our kids now have their own space and their own rooms that they can be in. They used to be in this leaky bit at the back that had this psychedelic carpet that goodness knows how they survived in there. But Zara did it. She's leading worship today. Well done, Zara. You powered through. And right today we have more volunteers in our church. In fact, four times the volunteers than we even had attending the church at the start. Like the Lord has brought increase. Right, and we believe that he brought blessing. And I said it last week, every time he blesses, there's always increase, but not every time is there increase, is there blessing, but we believe that uh, he has blessed us and we've seen increase. And funnily enough, like this, so there's times where people will talk to me and they will say, well, why, why is Cosby Coast Vineyard, like, you know, like, ha, why does it have like a big site and why is there, you know, quite a number of people who come on a Sunday and what is that all about? And sometimes people will say, is it because, you know, Alan was a good speaker and Catherine was a good worship leader, that's why people came? And I listened to that and then, it, and then the other rumors, and we've all heard them, um, it's because they've got rich people that bankroll them, right? That's how they do it. You can smile if you've heard that. And then another one, it's because they steal all the good people from other churches, um, and that's why they grow. And then they'll say, oh, it's because the new senior pastors are just so good looking, and people just can't help. <laughs> can't officially say I've heard the last one, by the way. Just, I'm just presuming what goes on behind closed doors. So here's the thing about all of those things. I'm definitely not that last one. That's not it. It's not. And that's not to say, goodness, like... Alan, Alan's a phenomenal teacher. Catherine's an amazing worship leader. Uh, people who've been a part of Cosmicos Vineyard for years, including those of you who are here today uh, watching online, you've been so generous and given to God. And that's been important, right? That's part of our obedience to him and, and serving. And so, but, it, but it's not just that, right? A PS, if you want to bankroll us, come speak to me afterwards. I'm up for the chat. Um, if God's led you. Um, some great people, and you, you might be included, have come from other churches and other traditions. And we're so thankful for the other denominations and traditions around this area and in this country, right? There's amazing stuff that's going on. We don't think we're better than any of them. We're very grateful for the heritage that we've got to be a part of here. So, it, you know, it's not, but, but none of that is it. The reason we believe that God has blessed us or brought some kind of increase here is because as his church and his people, we've tried to do what he asked us to do. We've tried to be obedient. We've tried to stand on and under his blessing. And we believe that he has done what he said he would do. So he said, you know, well, we feel that we summarized as this, right? If we would love and serve and posture our hearts towards those who don't know him yet, that he would meet us and bless us as a church. And so we feel like that's what we've done, and I want to make it really clear. Does that mean we've done it all right? Absolutely not. We've made some mistakes. We'll make more mistakes. If you're going to keep journeys, I'm just going to say it now. But God in his grace keeps pouring out to any obedient heart. That's who he wants to meet, to anyone who says that we need a saviour. Here's, here's the thing, we're, we're 20 years on from that moment where that reorientation happened, but here's what I want to let you know. God's general word is still the same. 
The Bible is as alive and as active today as it's always been. Jesus' words are as, as relevant as they've ever been. It doesn't need updated. So we still stand on those promises. And here's the thing, his specific word to us as a community, and Janet and I continually are seeking and asking him, Lord, what it is you're saying? But he only deepens and sharpens the word that he's given us as a community. He's only asked us to do that. Next week, I'm going to share um, just a couple of stories of people in the last couple of years who just experienced radical life change because you as this church have positioned yourself to welcome and to, and to allow people into that journey with Jesus, okay? We, we are an outward-focused church, and that promise is, is just as disruptive as it's ever been, and it's more alive than it's ever been. Jesus' presentation of the kingdom hasn't changed. His demonstration hasn't changed. And here's the thing, our realization of it will always grow and expand, our realization of what was going to expand. So if you are new, if this is somewhere that you are thinking you want a journey, I want to invite you into the adventure as well. Because we need to pray together, right? We need to understand that, you know, he's got so many new dreams to launch here. He's got so many things that he still wants to shape in our community. It require a new generation of us doing it, right? I'm not saying that those of us who have been around for a while are stopping, but we get renewed. And, and when I say a new generation, I don't just mean young people. I mean, those of us who have come along, who have come in the last year, a couple of years, whatever it is, if you're new-ish, as Tori said, right? He's calling us into that. We get to do that together. And we're, our hope is in the new year, we're going to be casting some vision that, that we're sensing around that. But here's the thing, we want to invite all of you into that adventure too. So as you pray, as you listen to Jesus, as you ask him, Lord, how am I going to realize this in my own life as part of the church? I want to hear about it. I want to know what's happening because, because we are the church. The church is not this gathering. It's part of it. But this is just a service, an event. The church is just as active on a Monday and a Sunday or Saturday or whatever time, wherever we are, we are the church. His kingdom is there. <laughs> Why don't we stand? We're going to pray if we're able to. Um, next week, I'm gonna, we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Um, but I want us to take some time to pray, to, to interact with, with God in this moment. And so maybe you want to close your eyes just as a, a way to focus and connect with him in this. And again, if you're new to this, um, don't worry. It's okay. Um, and here's what we want to do. We, 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 I'm going to ask us to respond to that. And here's the first group of people I would love to respond just as we allow the Holy Spirit to rest on us. I think there's some of us this morning, and as you've been listening to what we've said um, about this call, about, about this positioning ourselves, um, where his kingdom is, you've just felt something stirring in you. Uh, it might have been something that's been stirring in you for years, but you're just aware of his presence. I don't know exactly what that feels like. So for some of you, it might be just a, a, a sensation in your stomach. Some of it might be heat in your hands or your feet or a, a deep peace. I don't want to try and box that in. But if you know today that God, as, as you've been um, listening to that, as you've been processing all of it, you know that there's something stirring in you. I want, to, want you to come right up to the front. Um, just come.
Just come. Nothing's going to happen. You don't need to speak. You don't have to do anything. It's, it's not that anything magic happens when we step out, but there's something about posturing ourselves to just say, God, I've heard you, and I'm responding. So if that's you, why don't you come forward and just come and stand up at the front here, along the front. I want to pray for you. Just don't be shy. Just begin to come. And there's no pressure to do this, by the way, guys. It's not... It's not like anyone who comes forward is more holy than anyone else. That's good. Why don't you just continue to come? And just keep coming. As I pray, as ministry continues, just keep coming. Even, even this morning, you might say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I actually felt something, but, but I know that this is where I want my heart postured. Well, that's okay. Come forward too. It's okay. I don't know if I felt anything and I was saying it. So just come. Holy Spirit, just come. Lord, begin to rest in these men and these women who are coming forward right now, Lord, for the ones that you're putting, uh, Lord, just this burden and this calling on, God, would you begin to increase it in their lives? Lord, would you just begin to rest on them in just an ever-increasing way? Yeah, just keep moving forward, guys, just so you can make room for those coming behind you. Lord, would you just fill them? Holy Spirit, would you just be increased, Lord, what it is that you're doing? Or would you just begin, Lord, just to rest on them again? So Holy Spirit, come, Lord, begin to birth it in them. Lord, whether that's for the first time or whether this is a, a, an awakening moment, a, a rebirth, a, a whatever it is, God, would you begin to do that? Would you begin to move? And then what, what I'd love you guys to do who've come forward, uh, and again, those of you standing in the aisles, if you want to just come all the way forward to the front, because what I'd love you to do is to, to actually turn around and to face everyone else. Sorry, I said I wouldn't embarrass you, and no, I kind of have. But here's what I'd, I'd love to, to do right now, and I don't know if this is anyone in the room or not, but I just feel like we're supposed to do it. Um, if you're here today and you just don't know Jesus... Maybe you, prayed a, maybe, maybe you prayed a prayer a long time ago, but you know you haven't walked with Jesus. Or, or maybe it's the first time that, that you've ever responded to Jesus. But as you've listened to this this morning, as you've worshipped, as you've have engaged in whatever that is, you just know that today you need to make a commitment to him. Whether it's for the first time or the first time in a long time. Well, I can't think of a better group of people to pray for you than these guys. And so... Why don't you just come forward? Normally we try and make this as, as kind of easy for you to respond as possible. And I know that this is a hard space to respond. And I don't know if any of you will want to come forward, but I feel I've got to ask. So if you're in the room today and you want to give your life to Jesus, or you want to rededicate your life to him again, just come forward. If you're a man, find a man at the front. If you're um, a lady, why don't you find a lady at the front and just come. I'm just going to leave space because I believe there are people here that want to do it. I know it's scary, but I want to invite you to do it. If you guys are online watching, I know you can't actually turn up physically here, but again, I would love you to, to whatever way, you maybe want to message us on that. But we're going to just leave space to just come. I know for some of you, you'll just feel that burning inside and everything within you doesn't want to move, but I want to invite you to come. We'll just leave space. Come, Holy Spirit. The rest of us, just continue to meet with him. Just close your eyes. Ask him, Lord, would you come? Would you meet with me? 
Lord, would you come? Would you meet with us? So guys, the invitation is still open. We're not the ones that, that control this, but we got to respond. And so Holy Spirit, just come, continue to work. We'll give it just another minute. Lord, just come. have been obedient and left long enough. <laughs> well, Lord, as we close, God, we just want to come before you as, as a people and we just want to say, Lord, come and have your way. Uh, Lord, help us to be people that are obedient above everything else. Lord, goodness, Lord, even if we get it wrong, Lord, let our hearts be bent towards obedience. Let us be just trying to stand on and under your blessing. Let us always, Father, keep our eyes focused on you and what it is that you want to do in our lives. And, and so, Lord, in this momentous week, in this momentous time, we do pray for our nation and the nations, God. And Lord, we just pray, God, that there would be, Lord, just an increase of your spirit, God, in, in these days. Father God, that as we see changes in leadership and shifts in, in, in different parts of our nation right now, God, we just ask that there would be a shift, Lord, in your prominence, Father God, in people's lives. God, that as people tune in to watch church services and, and watch all sorts of things over the next uh, week or so, Father God, that you would meet them in their homes, that you would meet them in their workplaces, that you would meet them in their streets, Father God. And Lord, for those of us who know you, God, that we would be transformed into all that you have designed and created us to be. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for your presence with us. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. You can all grab your seats. Um, okay, we, we, need to, we need to close. At Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.